We got some breeze bits. We got some breeze bits. They're coming in hot, so ready or not for breeze bits. Mmm, bits. I guess what we'll start boiling. I we had some interesting technical. <laughs> problems jesse with this episode we're, we're doing a, a new feed we had a cloudy cast and we want to make sure it's clear right yeah we had trouble getting the flame started in the kitchen but now i feel we're cooking hot we're gonna be we're gonna power through and, and make a, a great episode that's right welcome to braise bits everybody this is episode 26 this is the episode we're gonna we're gonna start being an adult you know you gotta we gotta get off our parents health insurance now we're entering our late 20s which means we got to become adult podcasters. That's right. We got to get serious about our career. XM. Uh, I, 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 I was like, you made it career XM. That's not a thing. But I'm just behind. I'm an adult. I'm focused on adult responsibilities, such as I was going for. I was going for serious XM, like serious black. Serious black. I know. He's my guy. He's my dog. Yeah, he's both of our dogs. Because we're actually, both prisoners right now. So we're all prisoners in this quarantine. This is all Askapan. You're in a mental prison. I'm fine. <laughs> I've always been in a mental prison. I guess it's not much different. Getting in the kitchen, we have an exciting episode today. We have a great guest. The guest we've been excited about, we've talked about his cooking on the pod before. He's a comedy chef, and his name is Nick Whitmer. Welcome, Nick Whitmer. Oh, wow. I didn't realize I've been talked about before. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> you're pod fans. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, like, you're the perfect guest for this podcast. We're, we're oh, comedy man. chefs. We're brazen bits. Yeah. Oh, shucks. Yeah, so we're we're comedy chefs, but Nick is a comedy chef. In addition, he's a stand-up in New York, and in addition to that, he is a co-host of the Oh Dear podcast with a very funny comedian, Christian Duran, and unfunny comedian, Brett Raybould, who <laughs> we've had. And then... Brett Raybould's been on the podcast before. He was not in quite in pod shape, but he was, he was a good guest. Yeah. He was, he was great. But we're more excited about your residency, um, because you are a comedy chef. Um, we've loved the Hungry Wit YouTube series. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Watch, watched all of it. I'm, I'm excited to execute your reverse sear method. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Thanks. That's awesome. It's uh, I find it's like the easiest way to not screw up your steaks. You know, it makes it takes a lot of guesswork out of it. And right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you. You guys are watching the show and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So Nick, for the Brazerbacks, the Brazerbacks are our listeners, of course. Nice. Um, Great name. For those who aren't familiar with your work, could you just talk about uh, the show and, and kind of your idea behind it? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we're all comedians and like we're in this world where like just being a comedian isn't good enough anymore. You have to be a comedian and also film yourself juggling on TikTok and then then that's how you get people to <laughs> notice you. So, uh I had an idea, just like the only other thing that I think that I'm good at is and I care I, a lot about is cooking. Um, and I just had an idea of like maybe, you know, just having a cooking show in my apartment where like I interject a little bit of comedy when I can. It's not like a complete like yuck, yuck, you know, but there's a couple funny moments in each episode. That's kind of the goal. Uh, and yeah, I, I have shot and put out three of them. I'm in the works of putting out some more right now. It's a little harder now during this pandemic. I, you know, I had some friends come over to my apartment to help me film the other ones. And like now there's no such thing as friends uh, <laughs> coming over. So uh, yeah, it's been a little it's been a little bit of a snag, but I'm getting some good feedback on it. I have an episode about steak, and I have an episode about making pizza, and an episode about uh, making gyros or eros or whatever that people say. So 
Uh, check me out. It's a it's a fun show. I think you'll like it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It must be it must be difficult to film it without friends, but you could use Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Um, I I've, I shot one on my on my iPhone, and um, I realized that it was a pun joke. I'm not, I'm not, it was a lost on me. I uh, but uh, I did shoot one on my iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> you ever thought about making cheesesteak? Wit whiz, it'd be like cheesesteak. Wit whiz, whiz. Uh, that's not a bad idea. You know, I have a hot take on cheesesteaks. It's like almost everyone I've had in Philly has been kind of bad. Interesting. <laughs> Tell this is what this pot is about. Tell us more. I think it's one of the most overrated types of food because it's. Um, I feel like people don't understand what's. I don't know, like. I, cheese whiz is fine, but you can't tell me that the best cheese you could have on a sandwich is the cheese that comes out of a can. There's no way. That's like, you know what I mean? There's there's no food that's better in the can than not in the can, except maybe tomatoes. Like, that's the only food where, like, San Marzano tomatoes from Italy canned is better than, like, a local supermarket's can, you know, tomatoes. But, uh, I don't know. I, I went to Philly, and I looked up on the internet. I was like, what's the best cheesesteak in Philly? And everybody's like, Jim's. You got to go to Jim's. So I went to Jim's. Got to go to Jim's. And there's a line outside the door and around the block. And I stand in this line for, like, an hour before I get my cheesesteak. And as I'm in this line... Line, I noticed there's not one person from Philadelphia in this line. It's just all uh-huh. tourists. So there's no way that like this is where like the local guy in Philly who wants a good cheesesteak goes to get his cheesesteaks. Because who who waits in a line? Like I, we all live in New York City. I don't go to Grimaldi's because I'm not waiting in line. There's a bunch of great pizza places where there's no line. The only one I'll consider is Prince Street Pizza, but that's because the line's always like ten minutes tops. Um, but. So I waited in this line, and I got, like, the most bland whatever cheesesteak I've ever had. It's like any pizzeria cheesesteak tasted the exact same. So I don't know. I'm pretty disappointed with Philly cheesesteaks. I've had three from, like, the places you're supposed to get cheesesteaks from, and I just find they're just, like, they're kind of un- under-seasoned. They're relying so much on the steak as the flavor, but the steak is it's kind of bland for some reason. I don't know what it is. And then it's just, like, canned cheese. is like just, I don't know. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. not, it's just not great. I've never had it. Uh, I've never been to Philly in general, but I am a, a fan overall of Philly cheesesteaks. I love onions and cheese and steak. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been I would, I would, I would making my own during quarantine. It's been great. They're easy to nice. make. Oh yeah, they totally are. That's what I think. I think it'd be really easy to kind of like make a very good version of a Philly cheesesteak at home. Um, and also, if you're listening and from Philly, I do love Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of my favorite <laughs> cities to go and do stand up comedy and eat. I just don't particularly enjoy your cheesesteak. No, nothing else. Well, I'll chime in and I'll say I hate Philadelphia. No, I actually <laughs> I, I like Philadelphia. Although I haven't been, I haven't done the cheesesteak thing. I will say that I've talked about this on the pod. The best sandwich I've ever had in my life is was at the Reading Terminal Market. Uh, Denix. Oh uh, yeah, did you have the uh, the the pork sandwich? Yeah, it was uh, it was hyped Rock up to rap. me. It was hyped up to me, and I was like, "There's no way this is going to be close to as good as everyone says," and it even exceeded expectations. You know, it's interesting. One of the best sandwiches I've ever had was in Philadelphia too. It's at a place called Middle Child. And that's me, J. Cole, middle child. Yeah, me too. I'm also middle child. Well, we all middle children. We should all go to no. middle child. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse has two things that not in common with us. Uh, Nick and I are both middle <laughs> childs, and we actually also both got married on the same day. We Jesse, did get married on the exact. You same both day. have wives. We both yeah, have wives. both wives. Uh, my wife. I don't have a, my wife, <laughs> but I like this. We we got married on the same day, so thankfully we didn't have to invite you to either. Wow! No, you, you didn't put me in a, you, you didn't put me in the pickle of having to choose one. I get it. Now it's just don't invite it. it. Makes sense. That's right. Yeah. 
Oh, the, awesome. the sandwich at, uh, sorry, I just want to shout out, the sandwich at Middle Child is called the Herschel Waker. It's uh, it's short rib pastrami, and it's um, scrambled eggs, and it's cheddar cheese, and it's on rye, and it's ungodly. Oh, that, that sounds so amazing. Did you, uh, so, did you happen to post this on Instagram at, at one I time? I did. I absolutely did. I remember seeing that, and I was like, that looks tremendous. That sandwich blew me away. I even, re- I put it in a review, because I don't review places a lot, but I reviewed this place, and I go, the sandwich ruined my life because <laughs> now that I know that it exists and I can't have it whenever I want it, it kind of makes me depressed. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, you got to cook it. Yeah, that's true. I got I to gotta figure out how they do the – it's like corned beef short rib. So I got to figure out how exactly – I guess you just put short rib in some sort of uh, brine and let it sit for like two weeks and then slow cook it. And then I don't know. I'd have to give that a shot. It's a great name for a sandwich, Herschel Walker. Love that. Yeah. Absolutely love that. You want to jump into some highlights, Lance? Let's do it. Uh, so this segment of highlights is sponsored by Highlights Magazine, and this is where we take <laughs> our highlighter. And you know when you highlighted stuff when you were like a kid or an adult, and you used the highlighter, but then it smudged the ink. Yeah, absolutely. What was that about? Oh, I hated that. I did that all the time. Like, I still do because I'm lefty. You're Dr- Drizel. I am. Elba. I didn't know that about you. That's interesting. I'm a southpaw. Yeah. Wow. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> no, 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 my body. Isn't it strange that that movie is a southpaw and Jake Gyllenhaal fights right-handed almost the whole movie? <laughs> Anybody notice that? I can't say I've seen it, but... <laughs> I didn't see it either. That's great. One Jake... I'm like, why the fuck are they... I just don't even understand it. They're like, southpaw, get in on it. And then he's a right-handed fighter like the whole time. I will say <laughs> the, a Jake Gyllenhaal story I have is that when we were getting married, we looked at all these wedding venues and one of them was in Tribeca. And like the whole selling point was that, you know, it was like amazing views and there are all these celebrities were around and stuff. And the woman who was selling the venue kept referring to Jake Gyllenhaal as Jake Gyllenhaal. And, <laughs> and said this like three times. And we're, I, was, I was like, do we correct you? But you're the one who's the expert here. It was out of control. That's oh, amazing. man. I have a Jake Gyllenhaal story. I uh, was barking in front of the Grizzly Pear Comedy Club like eight years ago. And it was me and Christian Duran, the very funny Christian Duran, and I'm a host, co-host of the Oh Dear podcast. And we were just, you know, we've all barked for a comedy club. It's terrible. You're trying to get people to come into the show. Well, once you've done it enough, you kind of don't look anybody in the eyes anymore because you're so embarrassed. So uh, here comes Jake Gyllenhaal walking out of Mineta Tavern absolutely drunk. And I don't notice that it's Jake Gyllenhaal. And I'm just like, hey, man, you want to come to a comedy show? And he looks at me and he just goes... I fucking hate comedy. <laughs> wow. And I, and I still wow. didn't, and it didn't recognize that it was him. And I was like, wow, what a thing to say to somebody. But then I started to recognize them. I'm like, wait a second. Is this like a friend of mine who's just fucking with me right now? And then I couldn't really piece it together. And then Christian just says, Gyllenhaal? And at this point, he, he's like past us. So he kind of turns around and snickers at us like he's like a villain or something. <laughs> And then it keeps walking. It was crazy hilarious. Like, I think he was just, he thought it would be funny because he thought that I knew that it was Jake Gyllenhaal. If he said that to me, then I would have the story later on that Jake Gyllenhaal said that. But it was like, I couldn't piece it together in my mind until Christian said something. Sounds like that conversation went southpaw. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he was maybe uh, method acting for Nightcrawler? Ooh, ah, great move. maybe, maybe. He was definitely a, 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 three sheets to the wind, as they say. <laughs> nice, love that. All right, let's get into let's get into highlights. Jesse, what do you got? I got two little small things. 
One thing I've been watching, uh, I watched the first episode of 90 Day Fiance. You guys been watching this? You guys hear about this? No. I've heard about it, but... I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. That's, I, yeah, I've heard about it, then I blocked it out of my mind forever. It's right up your alley, Lance. You're going to love it. Guarantee you're not going to watch it, but you should. Uh, it's a reality show. Basically, people are doing, like, online dating around the world, and they have 90 days to decide if they can get engaged. And one of the people met on... Uh, a website where they were learning how to, learning a language. They were learning Russian. And it reminded me of Lance on a previous episode was talking about he's learning French. And he ah. is doing a similar thing. He chose to do it with a male opposite. A, per, a, a, a man. Yeah. Males only. Males only. <laughs> <laughs> so the male is um. But someone, they, they, someone fell in love on this uh, episode. So it reminded me of Lance. And, I, and it kind of like, it'd be funny if you fell in love on that, even though you have a wife. Not not the best highlight. Not a lot going on in quarantine for me, but <laughs> another, another another funny one that's not funny either, but I'm turning 30 on uh, Sunday. Oh, and congratulations. Thank you. And uh, a highlight for me is I've started to have to ice my hip. I've been, I've been going for jogs, and I woke up the other day with a, a sore hip for the first time in my life. I had to ice my hip. Damn. So that was a pretty big highlight. Feeling old, feeling uh, almost 30. This is 30. Exactly. <laughs> Ice in your hip and uh, watching 90 Day Fiance. Sounds like nothing better. Nothing better than that. Can't beat that. Yeah. What do you got, Nick? <laughs> I just, I, for me, I guess it's just like trying to make positive. So my highlight has basically been like, this time has been crazy for me because I had a day job that I absolutely hated. It's really sucked. And I got laid off and then I got put on unemployment. And unemployment doesn't pay much at all. But then they added on this stimulus, extra 600 a week. So, like, now I'm making more money than I was before, and I don't have to go to work, and I just, like, put out my cooking show, and I've been promoting it, and I've been doing all this crazy stuff that I've never had time for, and I built a website. So, my highlight has just kind of been quarantine has been great for me, and the second that it ends, it's going to be great to go outside, but then my life goes back to actually sucking again. Yeah, that sounds it's like, like an alternative reality. You love yeah. It. <laughs> it sounds like nobody beats the cheese whiz. <laughs> That's true. Undefeated, baby, until reality comes back and then reality wins. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Everyone, these, these situations are so different than the normal life, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, 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 it's, it sounds like you've taken a negative situation and, and turned it into a positive. And that's what Jesse is all about. I'm not. I'm all about that. I absolutely love that. A positive spin is what yeah. I'm all about. In this, Hell yeah. In this podcast, Jesse is the proton. I'm the electron. And our guests are the Jimmy Neutron. They get to decide who they want to <laughs> side with. I do want to point out that the only thing that had to happen for me to enjoy life was a global pandemic. So <laughs> what does that say about me? It sounds like you're like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's great. My highlight, I, got, I had a big a big weekend this weekend. I actually got out of the city. Whoa. You got to get out of the city. I went to Got to get out of the city. That's a big that's a big thing on the pod. You got to get out of the city in normal times. It's important. You love getting out of the city. One of the best things I about could, being in the city is getting out getting of the city. It's getting out of the city. To, enough to miss it. And then you're like, you can't wait to go back. Got to get out of yeah. the city. Uh, but I went to Long Island. I visited my parents for the first time since the virus, you know, probably transmitted it to them. Although I think they, you know, they're the Suffolk County is also equally like an epicenter of the virus. Or not equally, but they, you know, they the virus is there too. But yeah, um, yeah we, we went there. Kate and I went on a hike. 
Um, we went to Blydenburg Park and went on a six-mile hike. It was amazing to be in nature. Nice. I, Joe Blydenburg? Joe, Bly- <laughs> Joe Blydenburg. Yeah, it was a good candidate. It beat out all the other ones. Uh, Sleepy Joe. Controversially. It didn't really remember that it is, was the, a park, but... Yeah, okay. it's a little handsy. It got a little handsy. Yeah. <laughs> On the way to the park, uh, we passed the house of Pod Nemesis, Eric Seidel. Ooh. Yeah. Did you stop and see him? Did you say, did you, he's did not you there. Transmit the virus to Nemesis? <laughs> he, he's not there, oh, okay. but uh, <laughs> it was good to pass the, uh, the Pod Nemesis's uh, house. That was big. And then the big highlight. So in a previous episode, we were talking about top nine desserts i believe the episode was and i was talking about we were we had a whole thing about it, uh, melted ice cream and <laughs> about how my dad despises when ice cream is a little bit melted oh and man that's when i love it so i yeah i do too uh, same soft serve yeah we're not we're not getting into this <laughs> this is a, a a whole can of gummy worms but we're we're like we're finishing dinner and then we're gonna have dessert and there's ice cream so my um, my someone takes out ice cream, and then my dad's like, he's he's mad. He's like, who put out this ice cream? Like furious. And Kate hadn't believed, like when she, my wife, when she listened to the pod, she hadn't believed that he was like so against ice cream being a little bit melted. And he like flipped out, and it was great <laughs> to see. She's like, oh man, this is an actual real thing. And it was great to see her reaction to his reaction. And then who did put like, out the ice cream? I probably my sister. So I ate ice cream last night, and I don't eat a lot of ice cream. I'm somehow the only person who has gotten fat by not eating sweets at all. Uh, but I ate ice cream last night, and I find that you have to take the ice cream out of the freezer and like let it sit for like 15 minutes before you can eat it. Because other than that, it's just fucking – it's like a rock. I know. Yeah. He, he, my dad loves Dwayne Johnson ice cream for whatever reason. <laughs> So he's like carving it. He like like he just like gets the little layers at the, at a time. Yeah, he's like a sculpt a sculptor. He takes his it's, like uh, axe or whatever and chisels it. It was really funny actually. He made a point. There's another ice cream. So he took out the second ice cream and then he took like the scooper and it, he was or, and he's like trying to get the frozen ice cream, but he couldn't. And he's like, "This is perfect. This is how it should be. Spoon bent, <laughs> just like Alcatraz. He's like, it's gotta have a bent spoon. Yeah, that's that's the inside scoop. That there we are. That now we're now we're cooking. <laughs> Just like Alcatraz with Sean Connery. And, I got it. Yeah. I got it. I picked up the game. This yeah. is the pot. Love that. <laughs> we're firing hot. <laughs> awesome. And now that we're firing hot, should we get into uh, get into the main course? I'm excited for this one. This is going to be good. We're doing a top six this week. Top six. Oh, yeah. We got uh, we got Chef Whitmer here is, a, is a, a home chef. So we said, you know, what's better to do than best things to cook at home? You're at home. You're probably cooking. If you're either not at home and you're not cooking, we're concerned about you. So this is the top six things to, uh, to cook at home, uh, open to the chef's interpretation. Fantastico. Should we yeah. all do three and go around the horn and then three again? I think let's do the Whack Goldberg method of three, 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 three. Well, love that. You want to lead off, Nick? Sure. Um, so I've been, I think the thing I am, I'm going to kind of do it to what I have been cooking in quarantine because yeah. it's my most recent thing. And, yeah. and you know what's funny is like the biggest thing about cooking and the biggest thing I think people complain about is like not having enough time to do stuff. But now it's like I have all the time in the world. We all have all the time in the world because what else are we going to do? So I've been experimenting with like cold fermentation on dough. So I, I've been doing two things very frequently. I've been doing pizza and I've been doing focaccia. 
Wow. But essentially, it's just look up any type of uh, pizza dough recipe or focaccia dough recipe online. You can find them. There's a bunch of different kinds, but it's, just make sure you're using active dry yeast. And basically, you just put it all together, and then you put it in your fridge. And for pizza, I do 48 hours, and it just rises in the fridge um, for 48 hours, and it, it develops these like kind of sourdough qualities to them. And then you, uh, you put it out, and then the best way to do pizza at home is uh, focaccia, or sorry, is a cast iron pan skillet, 550 degree oven, and then you put your pizza dough in the cast iron and you cook that by itself first for about nine minutes. And then you pull it out and then you add your sauce, which by the way is the easiest thing if you want to make your own pizza sauce at home. It's just a can of San Rosano tomatoes, crush them up, add oregano, add garlic, add basil, add pepper, add a little bit of sugar, add salt, and then that's it. You don't have to cook pizza dough. It's supposed to be raw. Add your pizza dough to the, uh, your, sorry, your sauce. Add your sauce to your dough that's already cooked. Add on your, your cheese, throw it back in for about six minutes, and then all of a sudden you have this crispy, heaven pizza that's so damn good i've been making so i just had one before this podcast you make dough ahead of time and it sits in your fridge and all of a sudden you can just cut off a piece of dough and make a pizza anytime you want it's been amazing that's huge uh, focaccia is the same thing you just cold ferment it for 24 hours and cook in a cast iron skillet and the great thing about focaccia is you can use anything you have left over in your fridge that you think would be good in bread so like the other day i had extra prosciutto and fontina cheese so i just made prosciutto fontina focaccia uh the time before that all i had was uh, sea salt and rosemary perfect and then so it's very uh, it's really awesome to just use whatever you have in your apartment just in your house just throw it in um and it's just make really good focaccia. I actually have an episode of that that coming probably in the next two weeks. So maybe check out my YouTube series, Hungry Wit. And then the third good thing, teaser. I'm going to throw, throw a little curveball on this. A little healthier uh, option is uh, lemon vinaigrette. Uh, it's the easiest thing to make. Uh, all you need is basically olive oil, lemon juice, and then you need uh, Dijon mustard. Basically, you're going to emulsify the oil and the juice together, and what you need to emulsify the agents to bring them together is just a little bit of Dijon mustard. So you add those three. You add the Dijon mustard and the lemon juice into a, a bowl, and then you have a whisk that you slowly add olive oil, and you just keep whisking, and then it'll form into this creamy, amazing uh, vinaigrette, which you can use on like an arugula salad. I had one for dinner tonight. It was an arugula salad with this dressing and Parmesan cheese and grape tomatoes. I did one last week with goat cheese and beets. Um, if you want to, this is a great base dressing too because you can add different stuff. So, what I've been doing is just using lemon juice, crushed garlic, uh, and then olive oil and uh, lemon juice um, and mustard. I'm sorry, but if you really want to get crazy, you can use lime juice and then add in like cilantro and jalapeno, and then all of a sudden you have like a southwestern flair. So it's basically like almost like the way a mother sauce is that can, it can go into different things really easily. This is a perfect base for like a lot of things, and you can even make it into a marinade to like cook like fish with. It's you could do so much with it, and it tastes really bright and fresh, and it's healthy. So if, if you want a good salad that doesn't taste terrible, do that vinaigrette. It'll cut out some of that you know focaccia and pizza you're eating. Wow, Jesse's salivating right now. My, my I was about to literally say that my mouth is <laughs> is wet, it's watering. I haven't dabbled in the uh, homemade dressing vinaigrettes yet, but I'm definitely gonna do that now. Yeah, Jesse, sounds pretty simple. Jesse's yeah, mouth, it's so easy. Jesse's mouth is Roger Waters right now for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was a gape. Yeah, so we, we one thing we did fail, Nick, to so we'd usually like count down like six, five, four. So you would say uh, like you got your pizza focaccia uh, dressings. Okay, great. Fair? So uh, yeah, so the, I'm going to end on my number one. 
Wait, wait, wait. No, wait. Hold, hold up. We're, we're going too fast. No, no, no. Oh. I mean, you guys are going to do three each, but I, the, the goal is to do a countdown in reverse order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Perfect. like six so, to five to four. All right, cool. So I started in what well, I didn't actually put them in order, so that's fine. I'll, Great. I'll be all right. You're good. Beautiful. That's organic lettuce right there. Yeah, that's organic yeah, lettuce. I will say to unpack, I, uh, I've i made, so I, I was making pizza, and then I watched your Hungry Wit episode with the pizza and the mm-hmm. frying the dough and the olive oil. Yeah, that's another thing you can a do. Huge, a huge game changer for me oh, personally. Man. It really... Um, it really made my pizza. Uh, it was the masked singer, but then it became unmasked, and it really got to show itself. Um, and then also making the dough and and saving it for uh, Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy was also a, a really important situation. <laughs> I thought, yeah, should I go? Go for it. All right, so number six for me, I got uh, spinach and artichoke dip. Nice. Um, nice. I think it's uh, it's easy to make. It's something that I like to make and so one of the things you know uh i'm a i'm a comedy chef but i'm a comedy chef so the chef part doesn't always get top billing you might say so for me it's things that are are simple are easy to execute also taste good and then also taste good at home so spinach artichoke dip you're gonna get out i feel like when you get it at restaurants it is really hit or miss sometimes it's kind of like your cleanup hitter where it's either going to be a home run or it's going to be a strikeout. And I like making spinach artichoke dip because it's more like Ichiro. It's always going to get on base, and it's always going to be a good time. Yeah. Always a good, clean swing. But like the temperature of that dip is very important. Whenever, usually when I get it at a restaurant, it doesn't come out hot. And if it's not hot, I feel like it's not ideal. You want it, like, piping hot. Melted cheese, good artichoke, like a warm dip. You know, it's a good thing is just take pita bread and just chop it up and put it in the oven for like three minutes, and just slightly warm pita bread and spinach oh, artichoke yeah. dip is amazing. Yeah, beautiful. It is great, and you get that pita bread, and then it's all it's all of a sudden it's the Hunger Games. <laughs> Peter Pan. Peter Griffin. <laughs> that's that's Peter a whole That's that's the episode title right there. That's that's the front runner. Peter Griffin. <laughs> Wow. Can't beat that. That's unreal. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five, I got meatballs. We've, I feel like Jesse's got meatballs on his top six. Uh, sure do. So good. We've talked about meatballs on the pod a lot before, and it's one of the things that are quintessentially, I think, better at home. You go, they're, they're an at-home dish. You could have them cooking. I, I like to cook them in, in a sauce, um, so you kind of get the sauce to soak. I'm a, I'm a breadcrumbs guy. I like to add a far left amount of breadcrumbs, an Antifa amount of br- breadcrumbs, really. Um, in my, Chris Farley. Chris Farley. I don't get that one. Far leave, far left. All right. It's, it's, a, it's a stretch. Yeah, yeah, we got there. And I like to, Nick, tell me what you think of this. I, you gotta, I feel like you got to have multiple different meats within the meatball. I, I, yeah. I do usually beef and pork or beef, pork, and turkey because that's like – but veal I think is the best, but veal is more expensive. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I think you're right. There's some dishes that are better at home, and the reason why is because when you go to a restaurant and order something, they pretty much have to have it out between 10 and 15 minutes. So, like, a meatball is something that can just be – you could just take your time with it and cook it for, like, three hours and just make it really nice. Uh, definitely multiple meats. I like beef, and I just buy, like, a sweet Italian sausage and just Ooh, cut out the boy. casing and just squeeze the sausage from wow. the casing into – and breadcrumbs galore. But by the way, if you have homemade bread at home, you just leave the bread out one night and then grind it up in, like, a food processor, and you have homemade breadcrumbs that are so good. Uh, but you're on fire with this man. Great balls of fire. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's good to hear from, from the, the chef, the comedy chef. Number four, I got fried rice. 
Um, nice. And fried rice is something I feel like I've really upped my level at uh, since the quarantine has started. We'll have a lot of rice dishes for dinner, and I'll take the leftover rice, and I'll kind of just fry it up with whatever's in the uh, the William Perry. That's kind of my, my, go, <laughs> my go-to. You know, if it's like Fridge. carrots, onions, zucchini, uh, what if there's like chicken or, or turkey or pork or beef or whatever. And um, I've been adding turmeric. And I Ooh. find that turmeric, um, it's, it's obviously a good spice, but it also colors the rice. So it looks yeah. like it looks like it's like professional fried rice. Nice. So I, Amani turmeric. Amani turmeric, yeah. Amani turmeric episode title, episode like 15 or 16 with guest Nick Alex. It's not, it was not close to as good as this episode already. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we got a better Nick. And, no, I'm kidding. I love Nick Alex. <laughs> We, we do. Nick Alex, a poor man's Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. I can see that. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's pronounced Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal. 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 Yeah, so fried rice, I feel like, is a... And it's it's always... It's never really going to be bad. It's it's. I feel like it's, no, it's, hard, to, it's hard to mess up. Um, Next time you're in the supermarket, go through, like, the... Anything that where they have like the Hispanic food and get saison. Have you ever had saison? It's basically like a Mexican spice blend, and you use that in a fried rice. It does the same thing as turmeric, except it adds like a more of a Hispanic flavor. If that's a thing, cool. if you're allowed to say anything, you never know what you're allowed to say anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hispanic flavor that could be racist, but you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, it's delicious. Try I got it. it. So I gotta <laughs> add gil gil faison. Yes. <laughs> okay. Too much turmeric. Nice. <laughs> All right, that's my t- that's my six through four. All right, sweet. I'll dive into mine. My number six is grilled cheese and tomato soup. Oh man, oh man, oh, I like making yeah. this at home. Easy to make. I mean, you can really go all out with a good cheese blend and make a great grilled cheese. Oh man, I uh, I've been indulging in a lot of grilled cheese, almost too much grilled cheese and tomato soup. I haven't started. I haven't made my own tomato soup, which I feel a little guilty about. But it's probably very simple. But I've used a lot of canned Campbell soup. Tomato soup, warm that up, get a grilled cheese cooking, dip that into the soup. Unbelievable combo. I think one of the most underrated combinations in all of food combos. So you're totally right. Nick, I think you're not Thank gonna, you. you're not gonna be on my side here, but this is a this is a classic, classic braised bits debate. I think that grilled cheese and tomato soup is not a good combo because <laughs> I think that the tomato soup, it kind of uh, it's not a symbiotic relationship. It it kind of just lives off of the success and the hard work of the grilled cheese. In my uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, what well, I don't know. Slander. Is it like it's like putting mayonnaise on a BLT? It's like it might not be like the star of the show, but it's kind of so important. I it's enhancing. Yeah, I think that. So if you're gonna do the Campbell's soup variety, by the way, it's so easy to just soup up. No pun intended, or pun intended. It's the show. Let's do it. Soup up the soup by Those just spices. Adding, yeah, so like what I did, yeah. I made a Campbell's soup and I just did, I, I put like olive oil, uh, parmesan, and oregano and crushed red pepper and I made just kind of like an olive oil paste and I just oh, threw yeah. it in with a soup blend and it just added so much flavor to it and it was delicious. Um, it might give you a little bit more. You know what the what's really great is to, if you can make a grilled cheese crouton to go inside the soup. That's next level. Oh, oh. that would be beautiful. That sounds amazing. That's huge. <laughs> Holy moly, macaroni. I still stand by my original opinion in which I think Tomato Soup is an Oscar-winning film in that it's a parasite. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I have, uh, we posted on the Braze Bits Instagram, I, I've been doing some drawing, and I did uh, do a drawing of grilled cheese and tomato soup and how they're sad that they can't uh, see each other during the quarantine. Yeah, well, if you come into my apartment, they've been seeing a lot of each other. Almost too much of each other. All over each other. They're getting physical. 
But it's, that was a beautiful drawing, Lance. Thank you. I want to yeah, do. Yeah. I want to do a cartoon. My idea is to do a animation cartoon in which it's kind of to talk about how the relationship is a little. It's not. I don't think it's the right relationship for grilled cheese because tomato soup is going to demand that grilled cheese can only be half of itself because it's like soup and half a sandwich. And <laughs> grilled cheese can be like, well, this isn't the full me. You only want one side of me, and you're not letting me show my my full self. It's fair. That's fair. I usually, when I have that combination, I'll have half the grilled cheese that I dip into the soup, and then half of grilled cheese just to have like clean. So you get a you get a good smart. You, you get to know the texture of the grilled Absolutely. cheese. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good. All right. All right. I'll move on to my number five. Another simple thing to make: cheeseburger. I'm a big cheeseburger boy. Inside, yeah, right yeah. now, I've been making on a pan, but I I would say actually. I was trying to think if I preferred outside of the grill, but I probably preferred actually on a pan. I feel you get more of a sear inside. Yeah. I've been making uh, onions, caramelized onions on the side with them oh, for yeah. the combination. Um, it's easy and quick to make. You can make your own patty uh, with beef blends. Yeah, cheeseburger. I love making it. You know what's good about you're right on the right on the money with the pan thing because, like, the grill is great, but like when you cook a cheeseburger, like a, a fatty piece of meat on a grill, that all of the grease falls out of it, so all the flavor goes out of it. But if you just right. cook it on the in a cast iron skillet, like all of that flavor stays. And like meat's like a sponge, so after it cooks out, it'll reabsorb some of the juice, and it'll be really tender and juicy. And it's just like a perfect burger, I think. I do. I've been doing the smash burgers. I don't know if you've done that before. Ooh, but yeah, that's what I haven't tried making that yet. You just take a spatula and then something heavy, and you just press down on the burger, and it just, you know, it's like a five guy, or not five guys, uh, what's the Shake shake Shack style shake shack. burger? We've all heard pro the, Shake uh, Shack. Yeah, Shaquille uh. O'Neal. Um, yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> I'm getting in, I'm getting him in there, guys. Uh, the shake Shack's great. So the smash burgers are really easy to do, they're delicious. Caramelized Absolutely. onions, though. Caramelized onions are like the best topping on. I just made a pizza with caramelized onions. They're the best topping on anything. Wow. I love caramelized Beautiful. onions. That's a good point about. I mean, because I'm a I'm a grill guy. Um, but that's a good point you make about Pan's Labyrinth. Yes, and, right. and by the way, I love a grill too. And you can do a lot. Like you can make the shit out of like a uh, like a turkey breast or a steak on the grill, and it'll be a lot a lot better than on the, in a pan. But uh, I think burgers are particularly better in the pan. Absolutely. All right, moving on to another meat. My number four is steak, which I haven't made on my own before quarantine. And I started dabbling and making my own steaks in my kitchen, and it's been fantastic. I haven't gotten my a perfect temperature yet. I feel like I need a meat thermometer to really get a good temperature, uh, like a good medium rare. I usually either undercook or overcook, and I haven't tried the reverse sear method, which I'm going to try. Right now, I've been searing. I've been doing the opposite, which I feel like is probably harder to get the right temperature. That's what a lot of chefs do. A lot of chefs sear it first, then throw it in the oven. I think it's like a much quicker way of making steak. The reverse sear takes a lot longer, but it kind of guarantees a, a, a kind of like a fully cooked center, like to the temperature that you want it. Like when a lot of times when like just the center of the steak is medium rare, and then as it goes out to the edges, it becomes kind of almost well done. I think that's because you know sometimes that's what happens when you just cook it in a pan by itself. So you get a more even cook with this reverse sear, but it just takes a lot longer. And again, that's why chefs, a lot of, you know, restaurant cooks and stuff, they have to get something out in 10 minutes. So you can't, you know, with a reverse sear, like literally you put it in your oven at like 220 degrees for like, it could be 40 minutes, depending on how thick your steak is to an hour. Do you need need a thermometer? So it's not as important if you, the most important thing is a wire rack. Because if you put it on just the surface of a pan, the the pan heats up and it kind of like 
steams the steak a little bit, and you don't, you know, you don't want that. Yeah. So that's really the most important thing is making sure it's on a wire rack. But if you if you can get to where you you can recognize the doneness of the steak by the feel of it, which takes right. just doing a, doing a little bit, but obviously super spongy is rare and firm is well done, and anything in the middle is kind of medium rare. So if you can kind of just feel your way towards it and then sear it, you'd probably be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've been mean, using the thumb method. You're pressing the thumb. You feel different. Yeah. Yeah. It feels. That's good. It does sound with like this reverse sears, you do get more bang for your robot. <laughs> sears. Wow. You've been sitting on that one for a while. I, I, your eyes. I was sitting I was sinking in my chair with that one. Yeah. I couldn't wait to couldn't wait to unleash it. <laughs> Great. So Nick, you got it? You got three through one or, or any three? Yeah, I do three through one. I can figure this out. So I have we haven't done a dessert yet and I'm not Ooh. much of a dessert person I mentioned. I'm not much of a baker. I That's find good. that Wait, yeah, I have this. I have this theory that if you like, this is going to alienate half the listeners. But whatever. Uh, if you like baking like way more than cooking, I think it's it's odd. I I, I kind of agree with you. I think baking is very much like um, following directions, and cooking is more like more personality and baking, yeah, yeah you like just throw a little bit of this in there, but you can't really like with baking. You have a straight recipe. You can't really. You can't really – there's not as much freedom of changing stuff up because it's so technical that if you add something that has some sort of property to it, it completely like can ruin what you made. Baking's a science and cooking's an art. There you go. And I find that – so this is my dessert, which is the easiest dessert ever, and it's minimal ingredients. I'm going to say it's three ingredients. Take a – chop a banana, put it in your freezer for one hour, take it out, throw it in a fruit processor – Add in vanilla extract. That's your second ingredient, and then just turn it into like vanilla or um, banana vanilla ice cream in the food processor, mm. and then add sea salt on top so it's sweet and salty. Oh. And that's literally it's first of all it's healthy because it's a it's just a banana, uh, and secondly it's so easy and it's like it's satisfying. It's like the perfect like easy dessert, especially in quarantine when you know, maybe you don't want to have want to bake a cake or something. Maybe you don't have all flour and eggs and all this other stuff. Well, you might have a banana, and then you just freeze it and that's it so that's that one beautiful. dessert i'm taking notes on this this is unbelievable <laughs> number two uh is crispy skinned salmon oh uh man. this is one of my favorite things um because you could get salmon anywhere if you get it from like a fish market it's a little bit more fresh and it really makes a big difference but essentially what you want to do is you want to heat a pan cast iron preferably or stainless steel skin side down the salmon firm it down, hold it down firm and then just basically just let it cook on the skin side 90% of the way through it. You'll see like the, if you look at the side of the salmon, you'll see the line where the color changes. Once it gets about 60% of the way up, you just flip it on the other side, cook it for like two minutes, flip it back to the skin side and just let it rest for a little bit. And it's like, uh, amazing salmon it's like moist and tender and amazing but then the skin is so crispy and it adds amazing texture it's like to me it's like my favorite fish to make it's it's so good and it's not that hard either it's pretty easy and um number one during quarantine for me is is a can of beans uh it sounds wow. weird that is a lance move <laughs> a can of white beans get navy beans get cannellini beans get butter beans you can transform a can of white beans into magic. So this is what I do. I take a pan, I, I put bacon in it, and I cook out the bacon, and I take the bacon out. And Wait, then in the ba- one second. Do you make sure the bacon is crispy or soft? 
Uh, this one you can do a little soft because you're there adding it back. Go. You're adding Love it back that. to the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need, How do you prefer I, your bacon though? If you were, if you had to choose which way you would rather eat your bacon on its own, crispy I like, or soft? I like slab bacon that is crispy on the outside and kind of tender in the inside. All right, I'll take it. Team it's uh, like it's, it's, it's it's yeah. So uh, you cook the you you fry up your bacon, then you take your bacon out, and then in the bacon fat that's in your pan, you add in some. Uh, it's up to you, but this is what I do. I do I do onions and I do garlic. And then I do crushed red pepper, and then I cook it a little bit just to sweat them out. Then I add in some tomato paste and create this kind of like tomatoey uh, base. And then the, the tomatoes have sugars in them, which caramelize in the pan, which get a little sweet. Then you throw in your white beans and you mix it all up, and then you add the bacon back. And it's like this amazing white bean magic dish. And then if you just put a poached egg on top, you can you can have it for breakfast. I mean, it's literally like for any meal out of the day, it's amazing. And it's like especially during times like this when there it's really hard to get stuff you can find a can of beans anywhere at any store uh and if you're not going to do canned white beans if you just do canned garbanzo beans you just put them in the oven after they're dry them off with a paper towel and then just put it make them really crispy and then you get little crispy amazing bits that you can add into salads or pastas that give texture canned beans are the way to go they're winning the quarantine for me you can do so much with them Wow, that was a backdoor through the legs reversal. I start out with just a plain old can of beans, and you totally flipped it on its head. I'm going to try that also. I didn't think I would ever be want my mouth watering from beans, but I'm, I'm themed up. That was inspiring. That was inspiring. See, that's that's that shows. You know, if you spend time in the kitchen and you get to know the ingredients and love the ingredients, you can make things like that. That's that's incredible. Oh yeah, definitely. Beans. <laughs> uh. Oh. It, am I, who went after? Is it me? I think so. It's you. Uh, I don't know. You, you can go. Yeah, I think it was me. So number three, I've got Hala French Toast. Ooh. Oh, man. Jesse's oh, upset. you just ruined Jesse's day. You shouldn't have let me go first. It's insane. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Jesse is, is dejected. I never – you got to let it let Hala French Toast go and it'll, it'll come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I did listen to last week's episode. I listened to the first half of it before this. I'm happy you got your ear pods back. It's also good to see them in your ears. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's magic, man. You got. I let go of them. They came right back. Yeah, uh, but hollow French toast. I've been making. It's one of the like one of my staples of like things that I know how to cook and I know how to cook well. And I feel like one thing that I. I mean, it, it's very simple. It's just uh, it's like milk and eggs and vanilla extract and cinnamon and. And then I think the key is I just do one pan at a time and I just focus on it. I, I, I give each piece of hala individual care that it needs. Um, I think that sometimes you could try to get overzealous and try to have two pans going at once. And just as long as you focus on it, you're going you're gonna to cook it perfectly every time. Yeah, and you're cooking for you and your wife, so it's not like you have an army to serve, so just do it one at a well, time. I'm my personal army of hollow French toast, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm 10 pieces per, per meal, but yeah. Question, have you tried uh, slicing the hala and then leaving it out overnight? No. So it gets a little. St- Ooh, so try this. Wow. So what you do is you 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 slice up your hala and then you just let it sit out overnight to where it gets a little stale. It gets like drier. Do but you when you up? add it, when you put yeah, when <laughs> when you put it into the egg mixture, the bread super absorbs the mixture because it's dry. And then you fry it up, and it has like nice texture, and like the custard is like cooked into the the the, the butter the bread really well. Give it a shot. It's 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 damn good. Wow, that's amazing. So do. Staley bread with the custards last stand, then it really makes a difference. Yeah, exactly. Hell yeah. 
Wow. That's good. I'll go to, go to war with Colonel Custard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number, number two, I got chili. Oh, yeah. So, chili, this is so. Nice. So this is interesting. I've been really thinking a lot. Obviously, quarantine has made people a lot of a lot of people rethink their relationship with food and, and cooking in general. And chili is something that like so doing comedy every night, right? It's hard to devote the time to cooking things that deserve that need deserve and need time and attention. So chili would be a thing that I would cook every now and again, maybe like once or twice, or maybe more than that, maybe like five times or six times a year. Uh, but I would like stay in that night or that day and um just focus on the chili and let it cook for you know several hours and you know mix up combinations and i think it's again something that you could get at a restaurant but it's like the it's like six dollars for a cup of chili or something at a restaurant and it's like for twelve dollars you could get everything you need and have like several meals uh at home so oh yeah totally it's economical. I love how you could experiment and mix and match. There's no like set recipe for chili. You can kind of cook it as long as long as or short as you want, and have all these different ingredients and add whatever spices you want. It's kind of like a, a rotating dish that you could adjust however you would want to, whenever you'd like to. Oh yeah, I, it's 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 highly customizable and it's just fun. It's just like I, it's it's like we talked about before with the, when regular cooking and not baking is like it's just fun to be like, what if we make it spicy this time? Let's put some more cayenne in and put put some smoked paprika. Let's give it some smoky flavor, and you can really just like have fun with it. And it's really good. It's also forgiving because if it gets too hot or sweet or whatever, you just add more of the other exactly. stuff in there. That's it's, what I love because you know I'll I'll go too far. You know I'll go too far left. You know with the Antifa. Um, whatever I was talking about before. And, yeah, then I'll bring it, I'll give it a little bit more of a Blydenberg. I, I haven't tried Chili Davis yet, but I definitely, that's something on my bucket list. I feel like, I feel like that was swimming to the fences. Yeah, I would say it's, you know, it, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Um, you just got to give it time and attention. Just like, just like me. Beautiful. Um, give you all the time that you need. And then number one, I've got, so this is a specific thing. Um, it's just my, like, it's the thing I've cooked the most in my life. So I feel like I've, I've not perfected it, but I, I feel competent in it. It's uh, pasta, any type of pasta. I prefer like a wide noodle pasta, but it could be rotini. It could be farfalle. It could be anything. Um, pappardelle? Papper, yeah, pappardelle. Yeah. With, um, with hot Italian sausage and broccoli rub. Um, Ooh. I think Ooh. those flavors mix nicely together. Um, I've evolved, like, sometimes, like, I, I had been cooking it with butter, like, it previously, but now I'm more of an olive oil person. That's one thing yeah. about, I feel like ha- having a wife, I've had more olive oil <laughs> than butter. Um, yeah, I'm then, a butter boy. Yeah, and then I've, like, uh, yeah, I've mixed up the spices. Like, there was a period of time where I was uh, putting gochujang in it. Like, nice. And that kind of uh, made it, like, a really nice flavor. Um and um, I also so sometimes I'll even make the pasta like that's something I had I actually haven't been doing it as much in this apartment in our old apartment we had more space in our kitchen this one it's a little cramped and it gets messy you know when you're rolling out the pasta and all that yeah it's but, pretty messy my yeah. wife hates when I make pasta but yeah. I love it yeah. yeah I love doing it um, we have it, yeah it, it just takes up you know some space but um, I feel like I've done it it's like my go-to thing that I know how to execute well and it's a delicious uh, I feel like the broccoli rob is like uh, bitter I guess is, is the word I'm not sure if it's the right word but with, with like the 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 hotness of the sausage and then the pasta is like the the substantial base it's uh, it's a great great mixture yeah it's such a great like pasta especially now is so awesome and it's so easy to do and like i made a sauce yesterday that um two days ago that was literally just 
I didn't have any spaghetti sauce, so I just I, I had linguine in my in my cabinet, so I just boiled up the linguine, and then I I like finely minced uh, shallot and garlic, and I just put the shallot and garlic in olive oil and uh, seasoned it with crushed red pepper, and then put in uh, tomato paste, and then added in pasta water, and the pasta water and tomato paste just form this amazing thick sauce. Um, but speaking of butter, I did want to say the butter is amazing. I love butter, but I, what I like to do with butter is I find is it's better to cook with olive oil and then finish stuff with butter. So when you're finished with like a pasta, you throw in a knob of butter and then that just kind of brings it over the top. Whereas cooking with butter, butter burns really easily. So it's not actually right. that good to cook with. So you'd say more like you save butter. It's like the closer. Yeah. The closing it's the, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's definitely the, 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 it's the finisher. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I'm going to try that next time I make pasta. Do it, man. Throw, just throw in a knob of butter at the end. That's all it takes. We had you on the pod so we could get personalized cooking tips. So I know now <laughs> how to improve my pasta as well as pasta. Yeah. Pasta water is big, too. Add the pasta water back to it with butter. and it'll The butter and pasta water will kind of emulsify into a more of a sauce. It's really good. Pasta la vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that, that compound butter you made on the reverse sear steak looked amazing. I love the uh, also. That's, that's one of the easiest things to make, and it's it's yeah. better than it's like the how good it tastes is better than anything I've ever made, and it's literally just butter, rosemary, thyme, and garlic, and lemon juice, and that's all it is, and it's so good. It looks amazing. Okay, my number three is chicken thighs, which I've really been Ooh, enjoying during quarantine. Yeah, I feel like up until a long time, I've been a big breast bro. Now I'm thigh guy. I haven't really I've realized how juicy thighs can be and how easy they are to make. I've been oh yeah. Pretty much just put them, in, put them in the oven, season them up, and they're unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Uh, very easy to make and very juicy and feels like one of the, my favorite things to make. So number three. Do, do you do it with a skin on? The ones I bought don't have skin. I yeah, haven't, I haven't I hate tried that. skin yet. That, that is one of the – this is – I'm sorry to interrupt your list. This is – I'm going to go on a no. tangent here. Yeah, do it. But we this really bothers me that they take the skin off of every piece of chicken to sell in the supermarket. The skin has so much flavor, and it's actually good for you. It's not bad for you in any way at all. And if you can get a crispy skin and really tender meat, it's the, it has its own – it built in your own texture. It's perfect. It's like the best thing in the world. It? It's a great cut of like a chicken breast with a skin on or chicken thighs with a skin on. It's perfectly oh, yeah. good. And then just because this stupid thing that went through with like the 70s and 80s where people were like, oh, fat's bad for you. If you eat fat, you're going to have a heart attack. They started taking their skin off of our fucking chickens and it ruins them. <laughs> chickens with skin are way better and chicken thighs with skin are amazing. And chicken thighs in general are amazing. So I commend that being your number three and I'm sorry for interrupting. It sounds like they're No, skin- I appreciate it. it. sounds like they're skinning us alive. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing with all this skin? Where's all these crispy skins going? Rescue. Oh man! Yeah. Okay. My number two, which I feel like I perfected during uh, <laughs> quarantine, is eggplant parmesan. Oh boy! Yes. I, yeah, I love eggplant parmesan. I, I tried it. It's one of the first things I tried to make, and I failed at it because I didn't soak the eggplant long enough, and it was very crunchy. Um, but I, I feel like I perfected how to make it, and I feel like it's one of the best things when you eat it fresh. It's it's unbelievable, crispy, flavorful, soft on the inside, but crispy on the outside. A good easy sauce and cheese on top of it. Bake that. It's eggplant parmesan is like my favorite comfort food. I think. Uh, dude, uh, I've been making that a lot too, and and it, like with uh, like Lance said with meatballs. Eggplant parm is one of the things that's so much better when you make it yourself, and it's like better than any restaurant when you just do it yourself. It's so good. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I want eggplant parm. It's 
It's great to make. Could you make it? And, Easy to uh, make. I'll come over. <laughs> sure. I'll walk eight I'll miles. I'll throw it out the window. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Eight mile. Eminem. Yeah. And my number one was your thing, number three. It's my favorite thing to make. I think it was the first thing I ever learned to make that my mom taught me how to make when I was little. French toast. Hollow French toast, obviously. Nice. Learned, learned how to make it. Slice it up the night before. I'm definitely going to try that. It's just, I feel like it's very like fun to make also. It reminds me of being a kid and like being in the kitchen and like... Being amazed at like how you dip this bread into the egg mixture, and then put it in the, and then cook it on the pan, and it changes into something delicious. It's just French toast, easy but also just like fantastic. Yeah, it's it's you're you hit the nail on the head because I think like most people that grow up eating French toast, it's always like on a weekend, and it's like you're you're kind of yeah. watching your parents making it. Maybe you're helping them make it. I remember when I was like with, with my dad, and he was making it, and like. We had the custard, and then like we added like cinnamon and vanilla extract to it, and like and beat up the eggs and stuff, and we used that, and it was so good. Uh, and I just remember how cool it was that you could just add stuff like that to like a normal egg custard doesn't have any of that in it, but you can add it and adds a little extra flavor. And that's kind of like my love of cooking started with like souping up things like that. Like I remember when I was like. 10 years old and uh we had like big cans of chef boyardee beef ravioli and i remember just like cooking them on the stovetop and then adding in like oregano and parmesan cheese and that was all a little you know just that was it and it was just like so much better than just eating it right out of the can yeah. like we used to and that's that that's the best stuff when it, when food can make you like go back to your memories and growing up and stuff that's huge it's awesome absolutely yeah. and one thing about french shows sovereign shows is it smells so good like while you're oh, exactly yeah. i was just thinking that yeah oh, so yeah. Like, oh man it, the anticipation bills and you're as nick you're talking about it's like a weekend and it's kind of like a treat like it kind of signals your your memory that it's like oh i'm having a, a treat right now exactly trick or treat absolutely <laughs> beautiful that was a great top six yeah that was a good yeah. time everybody a great one learned a lot um so now we got our, our advertisements uh for the pod uh you got any ads jesse this week i only have a quick ad for carvel ice cream cake Nick, I don't know if you like soft serve ice cream or if you like cake and if you like them combined, but Carvel serves a great ice cream cake, which is, many people think it's a different ice cream than they serve in their store than Carvel, but it's actually the same inside of the ice cream cake, and it's beautiful. The Krispies, I feel it can't be touched, and uh, I'm excited. I'm hoping someone gets it for my birthday coming this, around the corner. I didn't see any transcript from this. This sounds like it's uh, uh, paid for, <laughs> sponsored by Jesse. So, Nick, well, you'll be able to settle this debate. I think Jesse oh, no. thinks soft serve ice cream is the same thing as normal ice cream. No, no, no. Um, I, I think soft serve ice cream is the same as melted regular ice cream. Yeah, that's what he, that's what he thinks. Oh, um, I, I think it's... Well, it's the same ingredients. It's just you know, it's 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 milk and sugar and everything. So exactly, um, maybe it's the temperature, but maybe no. it's also like the the mixture of it's different, so where it's more creamy. I honestly don't know. Like I'm not a desserts person. I just know like when you go to a soft serve machine, it's like it's already made inside of it, and you pour it into your cone. Right. And it's soft, and right. it's like the best ice cream because, like, I don't know what Lance's dad is like with a hard ice cream, but like, you want soft <laughs> ice cream. Yeah. It's like, I think it's like when he gets ice cream cones that are like soft serve, does he just get so angry? I don't know. Well, I don't know about his relationship with soft serve ice cream, but all I know is it's soft serve ice cream is not in Carvel's cake. That's kind of where the debate. <laughs> oh yeah, I would I would agree with you there. Yeah. I also agree with you when when you take regular ice cream out of the freezer and then you let it soften up a little bit, the consistency of it is different from soft serve ice cream. There we go. It's like it's like milkier, whereas soft serve ice cream is still firm. I would um, say soft serve ice cream is soft serve ice cream, but melted ice cream is served soft. There you go. 
I feel like I'm being double teamed. But I, I would say that if you serve ice cream soft, it's technically soft serve. No, I think it's served softly. Softly spoken magic spells. That's right. Kiss them softly. All right, I got no advertisements. Uh, shout out to Pat. We miss you. Um, but yeah. Shout out Pat. Yeah. So, all right, so we're going to go to our um, Was That a Joke segment. And Jesse, would you like to, to kick it off? Sure. I have a pretty funny one. I went uh, grocery shopping last week and was in the veggie aisle. I threw some veggies in my cart. I was went over to look at some potatoes, checking out the potatoes. Go back, someone stole my cart. First time this ever happened to me, my, my cart was stolen. I ran after this lady. I told her she had my cart. She first denied it. And I thought she, it was, it was, I literally thought I was being pranked. I was being punked. But eventually she saw that she had a different cart. It was fantastic. I felt like very vindicated that like, I, I like, she first is very like, uh, in denial about it. But yeah, someone stole my cart. Was not a joke. I felt like it. Magna Carta. Jay-Z. Love that. Yeah. Holy Grail. Um, that's a good one. Uh, I've got I've, one thing I forgot to share. Uh, this is a, a hot take. So you know how some people don't know how to social distance in New York? Yeah. How like people, it's six feet, but people like don't know what six feet is. Clearly. So so how about this? A lot of people in New York are international, you know, they from other countries. And um, the rest of the world uses the metric system. So people actually might not know what six feet is. Ah. <laughs> Like they might, you know, if like, I wouldn't know if you said you got to stay three meters away, I would have no idea what that is. Interesting. So I, I think, uh, that, that's my hot take. Is that a joke? <laughs> no, it's not a joke. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, that's not a joke. And then additionally, um, I want to give an update about my Instagram ads. So, um, this has been kind of an ongoing thread in the pod where my Instagram ads, at the beginning of quarantine, they were all like telling me I needed to get therapy. <laughs> then they slowly moved to like faith, like that I should like be like finding my faith. And wow. now I'm proud to announce that they've moved uh, to kind of the holy trinity of modern day religion uh, to like growth hacking and like productivity hack type stuff. Uh, so I've been getting like these ads of like this one of it's like um, I spend X amount of time reading and it proportionally increases my knowledge by this much. Either come to this entrepreneurial guerrilla marketing seminar. So um, this is the the religion of productivity, and I, I kind of like it because I, I feel like that's more in my wheelhouse than uh, than the therapy was. Like I was wondering, like, do I, does Instagram know me better than myself with like me needing therapy? And now with this like growth marketing, I'm like, okay, it thinks I'm like one of these like uh, mid thirties uh, people who like listen to self help podcasts and think they know the answers. And I'm like, that that fits me a little better. How does it feel that Instagram is like, bro, you need to be better? I don't know what it is, but we're going to offer you a lot of options. But the, the, the core of this is you need to be better. I, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Did this come after your uh, newsletter this week? Because your past newsletter yeah. was kind so, of about that. Yeah, pretty you're, much. You're a Mondays.com guy. Pretty much right after that. I, yeah, so I, I have a weekly newsletter. And this week I wrote about like to-do lists. And yeah, it was literally right after that I started getting those type of ads. So it's like That's crazy. it's like um, I don't know how to how to explain this, but it's it's kind of like a weak like you could do better than that. That's what you're doing. Like that's your 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 secretive algorithmic method is to read my newsletter. <laughs> it should be flattering, I guess. They're reading. Hopefully, that's it'll crazy. start to read today. I I, uh, I got a meme account. And I started making memes. Nice, just throwing out some memes. Yeah. Um, 
My questionable thing is I, I talked to uh, my grandmother on the phone, and uh, this is uh, this is what it, I'm sorry. This is the uh, this is the is this a joke? Yeah, category? yeah, no. QAB not the question. Sorry. Yeah. QAB is next. So this this is the what it, was this a joke? I'm talking to my grandmother on the phone, and I don't know if you realize this, but old people on Facebook are just living in a different world than the rest of us. Like my grandmother <laughs> just gets all of these memes in her feed that are all just like basically Russian bots telling her that the world's on fire and like Donald Trump's trying to save us all. And like, I started talking to her and she told me that this virus wasn't a big deal at all. And then I was like, well, I mean, I live in New York and it's pretty bad here. And she's like, well, that's because Dr. Fauci sent it over from China right to New York. And I was just like, is this a joke? Like, do you not realize how silly it is that you think that Dr. Fauci purposely sent over the virus. By the way, the, the doc, same Dr. Fauci that works for the president, he worked for him. Like, I don't, like, I don't, I just, I don't know. I was just flabbergasted after speaking with my grandmother. You, and I just think that <laughs> Facebook, Facebook is ruining our old people. Do you think he ordered it on Postmates? I Probably. I think he's actually more of a, uh, a caviar type of guy. He seems... <laughs> Huh. Yeah, that stuff's wild. It's like, um, this isn't an original thought, but there's no distinction between reality. And you can take any sort of information and insert it into like the system, and then it's equally as viable as as reality. Yeah, yeah. Like a year ago, I was, I was, I was with my grandmother, and she had a problem with her uh, iPad, and she handed me her iPad to look at. And her Facebook was open, and I literally just scrolled through her feed, and I was, my jaw dropped about just, she's just living <laughs> in a different world than the rest of us. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. But it's funny. I, 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 that could be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Having a conversation with a meme, basically. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. Going to QAB? Yes. Questionable QAB? at best? Yeah. So QAB, questionable at best, in honor of my high school friend Goose, who thought things were QAB, questionable at best. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll lead off. This weekend, I was on Long Island. Jesse, I think you'll appreciate this or find this interesting at the very least. So Kotobuki, which is a sushi restaurant that we've talked up a lot. There's one in the city and there's two on Long Island. Uh, it's a, Nick, if you're looking for good sushi that's like not that expensive for the quality, it's the place to go. It's in the nice. East Village. It's fantastic. East Village? Yeah, it's fantastic sushi and it's like not that expensive for how good it is. Um, you could get like, so like my wife and I, you'll get like, it's called the sushi for one, but it's enough for two, but you, it's, it's two people. You're out of there 50 bucks. Um, wow. And it's like enough food. You're not great. quality. you're not hungry. Um, so anyway, uh, we go to the one, so we go to the one on Long Island Saturday night. Um, my parents are like, oh, you're here. Let's get Kotobuki. Um, so we, they have this, they're, they're doing well, right? They're, it's interesting the, the way restaurants are doing, like most, most restaurants are closed, but there's a few restaurants that are not only open, but like they're doing, they're like inundated with orders. Yeah. Have you noticed this? It's like, yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, I don't know the, the financials, but it, like maybe some restaurants are even doing I don't want to get into that, but like Kotobuki is this Kotobuki is clearly doing very, very well. Um, and so you have to call, I guess the system is you have to call at 5 p.m. and they Jeez. give out like a certain amount of orders and then that's kind of it. Um, wow. So we call, they say uh, 90 minutes. Um, so we get, I get there and like 90 minutes later and 
there's sort of like the way my si- my sister had done it before, and she had said, "All right, you go there, you kind of wait outside, you know, standing six feet away from people, and they'll call your number, and then you go in. They only let, you go in, you pay, and then you you come out." Um, when I got there, there was this insane line. Uh, it was like fifty people, and they uh, there was no one really knew what the deal was, but it turned out okay. You have to go to the back of the line, you wait to pay, and then they bring out your food when it's ready. Long story short, I was there for two hours. Um, oh my they God. apparently told every single person ninety minutes. There was this guy who was like he had a he had like a live meltdown. He was like the guy who was in charge of <laughs> keeping the crowd in control and people were some people were maybe understandably upset. I mean, it was a situation where it's like this restaurant in one sense is doing the best it can, but at the same sense, this is like the seventh week of the quarantine and like they you know, what, what percentage of the people online were Jewish, you think? Uh, 80. <laughs> that must have been yeah. a very volatile line. It was a volatile line. I thought there was going to be a, a rebellion. Then like people got upset. People clearly weren't social distancing anymore. It was a little bit nerve-wracking, and the guy was like not – he, he was losing it. He was, like, telling people. He just started. So it, it, at first it was like, all right, you wait in this line. You come in. You pay. They bring out your food. Then he started just calling random numbers. Like, we were in order number 88. He would call, like, number 61. Then he would call number 4. Then he would call number 97. There was, like, no order to this uh, calling out. And um, he, he would he'd be, he'd tell people, like, I know what I'm doing. He was like, don't question me. But then he was also, like, like Trump. people. He, like, um, at one point he was, like, talking to some guy about his car. It was it was wild. I didn't know whether to feel bad or to be angry. It was somewhere in the middle, I guess. But then the thing is, you like, and we were so hungry. We, it was cold also Saturday night. It was that night where it was, at, it was at, I mean, no one's been outside, but it was, it was cold. Um, yeah. And you had to stand outside. Like, you couldn't go back to your car. It was just a wildly questionable situation. But then we get back, and the sushi is, like, the best sushi it's like so good. Nice. So, really? Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I usually don't. Avoid, I usually avoid pick, like pick up or take out sushi because that doesn't always hold up well. But that one held up well. Yeah. I mean, they get soggy. I mean, I only went like we went like I volunteered to go get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like a, a family oriented situation, so I was going to go and get it. But it was it was uh, it was wild. It was just a wild wild situation. Wow. Yeah. Mine is. Um is this Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, has been amazing. But there's one thing I have to say that's a little questionable. And that is, uh, well, for my wife, my wife has been watching this with me, and the only reason why she's watching it is for Space Jam. She just like, oh, this will mostly, in her mind, Michael Jordan documentary, ten parts, eight episodes of it will be about Space Jam, the rest will be about <laughs> that's his so playing funny. career. So, like... <laughs> We've gotten through seven episodes, and she's like, when is Space Jam coming on? I don't understand. When is Space So episode eight starts, and Space Jam, they start talking about Space Jam for four minutes, tops, and then it's on to the next thing. <laughs> and she's like, what is they, this they, documentary? That's, that's so funny. And they barely, like, they use Space Jam to talk about how he built a gym, and they talk about, like, the, the, the <laughs> yeah. open run games he would have. Yeah, that was it. They showed like two things of him in front of a green screen, but it was mostly about him getting in shape to play basketball again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now it's like it's going to be hard to get her to watch the next two episodes. <laughs> you, you got her through seven. She's got to finish. Yeah. There's like two more, I think. There's two more, yep. Nine and ten. So I thought that was pretty questionable. Give me like ten minutes on Space Jam just to appease you know, the people who have been holding out. That's a great one. Absolutely. I would love to see more behind the scenes of that. Yeah. Definitely. Bill Murray? Come on. 
Okay, my QAB goes back to my uh, my book that I've been reading, the book that helped me bring my AirPods back to be a magic. Part of this book wants me to keep a dream journal, uh, but keeping like a book next to my bed to like wake up and write my dreams down. Problem is, I've been waking up. I'm not remembering any of my dreams. I'm waking up. I'm like trying to rush to this journal. I got nothing to write down. So th- right now, I'm at a point where it's, it's QAB. Dreaming in general is QAB to me. So I definitely dream. I just don't... I instantly forget it. I feel like at I a certain point in your remember your dreams. Yeah, I feel like a certain part of your life you just you don't ever have. Like I used to have dreams that were just like so whimsical and magical. Like you're just riding a unicorn or something with with Tara Reid or something. You know, like when you're in high school. <laughs> And then, I'll, but now it's like every dream is a nightmare. Like I don't, I don't remember the last. <laughs> it's like every, I all I have are nightmares. I don't have any normal dreams anymore. So, so I yeah. I, when I wake up, there's like a small period of time where I remember them, and then they just like fall out of my head. I never yeah. remember my dreams. But Kate, my wife, like vividly, vividly remembers all her dreams and tells me with like these insane details. And usually, I feel like usually they're not positive. Um, yeah. So it's sort of what you were saying, but it's it's nuts to me how I can never remember anything, and she like will never. For, she would she would have a lot to say in this dream journal. That's my amazing. wife's the same way. My wife remembers every one of her dreams, and like to her, it's, she can like try to decipher the meaning of them. Yeah. But for me, it's like I don't know. I, I was being chased. I murdered somebody on <laughs> accident, and then the cops were coming after me. That's like most of my dreams. Yeah, I mean, so when my wife tells me her dreams, I always like analyze. I'm like rooting for myself to like be good in the dream. You know, I'm like, all right, score one. I was like supportive, a supportive husband in this dream. Great, but, or I helped us get out of that lava pit. That's huge. So I'm really hoping my self dreamed by my wife is like doing. I root for him like real hard. <laughs> there you go. Dream Lance. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. You bring in the closer? Let's bring in the closer. Let's do it. We got a one, two, a one, two, three, four. Bits, 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 uh, all right, this is where we just plug stuff. Nick, you got anything to plug? Uh, yeah, check out Hungry Wit. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on Instagram. Uh, you just go to hungrywit.com if you can't remember that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I got uh, stuff coming on Instagram every day pretty much, and uh, i appreciate it if you checked out my stuff. Thanks. Nice. Beautiful. I'm going to plug uh, the sunrise. So the sun mm-hmm. has been rising a little bit earlier, and Ooh. I feel like it should get that recognition. It's nice like wake up early in the morning and you get that nice sunrise, and the sun is doing its part. You know, it's waking up early and it's being productive, and I want to shout that out. What time is it usually? Like six something. Oh, damn. Yeah. I'll try. Plug in the sunrise. Wow. Free plug. Yeah, free plug for the get sunrise. Let's get some heat. Wow. Get. <laughs> <laughs> Sunrise, sunset. Nice. Love that. Uh, I'll just plug my social media at JIGS. Follow me on TikTok. I'm talking. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, slap us a review. Uh, if you if you want, spread spread it. Spread the butter by word of mouth. Um, compound butter. Compound butter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that's all we got, I think. Thanks for being here, Nick. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think. Learned uh, a lot. This was a great residency, and I, I think in the real uh, real life, we'll have you back. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait. 
Yeah. All right. Are you guys Light years better than Brett Rabel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm going to get that soundbite just to play on my podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make sure I was going to end it right before, but it's going to end right now. Yes. So it'll be there. All right. Thank you. Later. Later.